but for me to work with, with Phil and with Sharon, but also, uh, more recently, of course, uh, the other partner in crime, in Christian, has joined us in uh, helping us spearhead church planting, which is something very much on my heart. And so... Uh, that's a delight, and that's more at the, the early stages of it all, but I just know that there's great things in store, and already Christian is making a tremendous difference and encouraging us all in that area of uh, serving the Lord by church planting. Absolutely tremendous. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to go very long, half a minute on this. Uh, the last few times that I've been, I haven't brought any resources with me. I have brought uh, two or three books with me uh, that I've, I've written. One, The Happiness Factor, great one to give away to people that aren't yet Christians, and actually has some ingredients that I think we need in our lives in order to be happy. Going through the letters of the alphabet, A, attitude, B, balance, C, character, X, xylophone, but that's not what's in the book. Uh, but but that's, a, that's a book, seven pounds and that's downstairs and then a more recent one defeating the giants which just explains that as the children of Israel moved in uh, to the promised land they had to face some giants and the spirit of those giants is still alive today because the Hittites actually the Hittites means fear and I found that fear is something that really robs people of moving into what God wants and another one means materialism and materialism is another thing and so uh, they're downstairs, and there are a series as well of uh, CDs and what have you. And so you can get them, or you can get them on the net, and that would be good if you did that. Um, follow me on Twitter if you're able to. I say that because every Assembly of God church that I go to now, I'm wanting to build up those that follow me on Twitter, not so that I might have a great big number uh, of several thousands, but because I generally try to put in there where I'm speaking at the weekend, and then I, I just get this good feeling, and I know that it's true, that so many people then remember to say a prayer for wherever I'm preaching. So right throughout the country today, there's thousands, a couple of thousand people that will be praying for Arena and for what's happening here and also for tonight at Mansfield. And so it's just John Partington at Twitter, those of you that understand all that, I don't even understand it myself, uh, but uh, if you can, that will be good. And one of the things that we're really building up is our e-news for Assemblies of God, which is a free newsletter that goes out every week on a Monday. And it's not just for leaders. It'll tell you all the information that's going on, both within Assemblies of God and in other uh, aspects of Christian life as well. And you can just go onto our website, sign up for it quite free, and then every Monday uh, it'll just come through and it'll keep you informed. One of the things that it'll inform you of is our conference that comes up, not just our area day, but our conference that is annual. And uh, we've already got over 1,250 booked in for next year booked and paid, which is good because when we started, there was less than 400. And so it's just great, really. And the first, we're having two conferences back to back. The first one is Chock-A-Block. The second one, there's about 300 places left. And when they've been released, then we'll release some more places for the first uh, few days as well. So very, very, God is good, isn't he? Turn to someone right now and say, my God is good. And turn to them and say, and with a face like that, he's been good to you. I've just realized, you know, the older I get, the more I find I need my glasses. Dear, dear me. I left my wife in bed at 10 to 6 this morning, 5.50 I got up, and she looked at me and she said, my, you're looking smart today, John. She needed glasses because she was half blind like that. And so there we go. 
Are you ready for the Word of God? I'll take my watch off. What does that mean? Not a lot. We finish at about 12 o'clock, so I've got about a half an hour to communicate uh, as much as I can of a message that has been put on my heart that was born in me over 24 years ago. Now then, the thing is, you say, but hang on, we want some uh, fresh bread. You know, truth is truth. And it was 24 years ago, I was looking it up, over 24 years ago, about 25 years ago, when God gave to me, I feel it was the Lord, gave to me a very, very unique and unusual illustration of some of the kind of plans and purposes of the enemy against the church. And, uh, and about 24 years ago, I remember as a young man speaking at the annual conference, and I shared that. And just over the past number of weeks, I've been stirred again to relook at it. I've relooked into it. And I want to share that kind of illustration and picture and relate it into us here at Ilkeston and Mansfield. And we'll see where we go on it. The only thing is this, that I do have to uh, say this. That when you turn on your TVs, often the newsreader, or if there's a program that is coming on that is a little bit dodgy, or there's something there that has got a lot of bloodshed, or something is not good, they will give what is called a warning. That if you are fearful, or if you are of a nervous disposition, please switch your TVs off now. So I feel it only fair to say that if there is anyone here of a nervous disposition or in any way fearful, either look away or go to the toilet right now. Father, help me to communicate, I pray, something that will speak and be remembered and then acted upon in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I brought a, a little friend along with me, and I thought you'd be interested to see them. Anybody like dolls? <laughs> Loudest voice came from a man. <laughs> very good. Very, very nice. <laughs> oh, I've got something else in here. What's the matter? What? Turn with me your Bibles, please. The book of Romans, chapter 12. And in verse 3, it says these words. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is amongst you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophesy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, then let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What a shame, some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, no, he's not going to do that. Some of you are saying, but that was a, a, a nice doll. What a mess it is now. <laughs> Why, it's a waste of what was a very nice, little, beautiful doll. Dismembered now. Very little use, actually. Scattered around this room. In the Bible, there are very many pictures of the church. There's pictures of arena church, local churches. And the church is given many pictures. It can be called an army. It can be called a building. It can be called a family. And one of the pictures of the church, even that we've just read there, is that it is a body. A body that has many parts. So I've got fingers and hands and wrists and arms and legs and a heart, legs and so on. And the Bible says that the church, the local church, is like a body and each person that belongs to that church is individual and yet a part of the whole. But in no less a brutal way Then I took the scissors and cut the arms and legs and even head off that doll. The devil, the enemy, has sown seeds of discord and deception and distrust and division with the result today that over this nation and over the nations of the world, there are thousands of different denominations and the church of Jesus Christ has become cut up and splintered all over the place, very, very often in disarray and powerless. And what the devil has done nationally and internationally, I bring you a word of warning. He wants to do with every local church. He wants some of you to be jealous of the elders that have been set in. He wants some of you to think, well, that should really be me. He, he, wants, he wants there to be something that is sown that would actually cause division and disunity. That's one of the plans of the enemy. I've had the privilege of living in two major cities, and both of those cities have been known cities of churches. One of them, of course, was Adelaide in Australia, city of churches. 
a church on every corner. <laughs> Good news? Well, perhaps, perhaps not. We, we lived for many, many years, over 13 years. Where has that Manchester United shirt gone out? Oh, praise God for that. I've, I felt there was an anointing that kind of has come in as it went out. But we lived in Liverpool. And uh, in Liverpool, let me tell you, there's a church on every corner. In fact, Liverpool is one of the only major cities that has two cathedrals, one at the end of the same road. It's called Hope Street. And at the end of Hope Street, there is the Anglican Cathedral. And at the other end of Hope Street is the Roman Catholic Cathedral. (laughs) And there we have two cathedrals that are joined by Hope. When I first moved to Liverpool to pioneer a church there, I was taken around the city by a friend of mine called Dave Cave. And uh, Dave was very kind to me. We drove around and he said, oh, there's a church that meets in that building there. It's a great group of people. So I said, oh, great. So they're evangelical. They preach the gospel. And then he took me to just a couple of streets away and he said, there's a group that meet there. And they actually had a breakup with the people that are there. And that's why they're meeting there, because there was arguments. It wasn't a church plant. It was a church split. And, uh, and then he took me to a couple of streets down the road. And there was another group of people that were meeting that had come out of that group uh, because they disagreed with what. And it went on and on and on. As I drove around with Dave, it was very, very obvious that what you have seen me do with that doll had, in fact, happened in some local churches where the enemy had come in and that that used to be united and therefore a force and something of great beauty now was scattered and did not carry with it the same potency or the same effect. Mm. Is it not significant that on a day when elders are being set in and have verbalized through the charge that Christian brought to work for the unity of the church, that God wants to say something to us, it is not just the responsibility of elders. It is the responsibility of every member, of every part of the body, of every one of you, young or old, to actually play your part in not allowing anything to come in and cut away at it. Because I sensed, as I was sitting there, I I felt a great sense of worship as we were singing. Probably greater than I've ever felt before, and I always enjoy it. But I just sensed something great. That's a wonderful indication of God's blessing. I'm looking forward to being at at, uh, Mansfield tonight. Uh, Nobody can argue. Is God in the house? Of course he is. Are there some great things that are happening? Of course there are. But let me tell you this. You have to work at keeping the unity of the brothers and sisters. Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little snips. It's the little cuts. It's the little ways that the enemy gets in that would cause ultimately for there to be a scattering and disunity to go. So what happened was, I began to jot down things that I thought would be matters that would help keep unity. And I'm not going to have time. uh, I I don't know how many uh, are jotted down, probably 10, 12, something like that. I'm just going to throw out a couple of them for you. And you can take what you will from them. But this is the first thing that I, I want you to realize the truth of this statement. It is the people that count, not counting the people that really matters. 
It's the people that count, not count. Now, am I against counting? No, I'm not. In fact, I think it's good to keep records. I go to some churches where they tell me they've got 500, and yet there's only 250 seats in their auditorium. How do they do that? I go to some churches where they say, oh, we normally get 150, but it's one of these Sundays. We've got 110 away today. The truth of the matter is, it's a load of bull and they're just trying to, you know, that's the truth of the matter is. There's something good about knowing who belongs. I think there's something good about partnership or membership or something where you know who's, but let me tell you, it's the people that ultimately count, not counting the people that is the real matter and the real matter of importance. Uh, Of course, there's nobody here that will remember this, but there used to be a tobacco. Was it Woodbines? And you opened up the cigarette packet, and inside it said, it's the tobacco that can't. Oh, yes. Oh, remember the old woodies? I've never been a smoker, but at school, yeah, I remember some naughty boys once gave me one or two to try. And... <laughs> it's the tobacco that counts. It's the people that count, Phil. It's the people that count, Christian. It, it's, it's the people here. And it's very, very important. I, I came across this uh, by Charles Swindle some time ago. and I don't know whether I've read this to you before. I, I can't remember. But it's one of these things that I often kind of pick up and it touches me every time. I want to read it to you this morning, if I may. It says, who really cared? His was a routine admission to a busy Bellevue hospital. A charity case, one amongst hundreds. He was a, a bum, a tramp. From the Bowery, with a slashed throat. The Bowery, well, that's the last stop before the morgue. It's a synonym, really, for filth and loneliness, cheap booze, drugs, and disease. The disease of what happened in the pre-dawn of that chilly winter's morning were fuzzy. You see, the nurse probably shrugged it off. She'd seen thousands, and she was probably to see thousands more. Would it have made any difference if she knew who she was treating? (laughs) Probably it would. But his recent past was an antithesis of his earlier years. The Bowery? Well, that became the dead-end street of an incredible life. But all that was over now. You see, it was just a a a 25-cent-a-night flop house. It had rooms that you hear about but you never want to see. It was full of stinking humanity too miserable to describe. And he was one amongst many. Like all of the rest, he now lived for only one thing, drink. His health had gone and he was starving. And on that icy January morning before the sun had crept over the New York skyline, a shell of a man who looked twice his age staggered to the wash basin and fell. The basin toppled and shattered. He was found lying in a heap, naked, bleeding, and a deep gash through his throat. His forehead was badly bruised. He was semi-conscious. The doctor was called, no one special, remember, because this was the Bowery. He used black sewing thread that somebody had found to bind the wound. Well, that would do all the while the bum was begging for a drink. Well, a buddy shared the bottom of a rum bottle to help calm his nerves. He was then dumped in a paddy wagon. He was dropped off at Bellevue Hospital where he would languish, unable to eat for three days, and then he would die. Still unknown. 
a friend, seeking him, was directed to the local morgue. And there, amongst dozens of other colorless, nameless corpses with tags on their toes, he was identified. When they scraped together his belongings, they found a ragged, dirty coat with 38 cents in one pocket and a scrap of paper in the other. All of his earthly goods, enough coins for another night at the Bowery, and five words written on a piece of paper. Dear friends and gentle hearts. It's almost like the words of a song, someone thought. But who cared? Why in the world would a forgotten drunk carry around the line of lyrics? Maybe he still believed he had it in him. Maybe that derelict with the body of a bomb still had the heart of a genius. You see, once upon a time, long before his tragic death at the age of 38, he had written songs that had made the whole world sing. Songs like Campton Races, Oh Susanna, Beautiful Dreamer, Genie with the light brown hair, Old Folks at Home, I old Kentucky home, and 200 more that are particularly deep-rooted in American heritage but are sang throughout the globe. You see, thanks to a man called Stephen Foster, whom nobody knew and for whom nobody really cared, makes me think of a few lines out of an old poem that preachers once quoted, many a man with a life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice. He's going and he's almost gone. Almost gone. Unless somebody cares. If we were to go out of the building today, to the new Kentucky, perhaps to walk into the center of Ilkeston. There'd be people that are dressed as smart as anybody here, for whom nobody really cares. There'd be people that would be like Stephen Foster. Perhaps, perhaps not this morning, but perhaps it was last night that some spent a night in a gutter. Perhaps it is that behind the closed doors of homes around here, in terraced houses, in semi-detached, in detached houses, there are people who are crying out to be loved. And not counted as a number to say, we now get 800 at Arena, or 200, or whatever it is, but just want to be cared, just want to be loved. And when there is a body, when there is a church, that puts the emphases and the priorities upon people and loving people, I want to tell you the devil cannot take like those scissors and chop it up because there is a higher priority than a number. It's the people that count, not counting the people that's vitally important. The second thing is this, that building strong relationships is your job. To actually build a strong church is Christ's work. 
You see, when we concentrate on people and then develop that on into developing relationships through life groups, house groups, through attendance like this, through getting along and being a part of the ladies' day or volunteering to be one of those people that'll help out. You begin to get knitted into a place whereby your relationships begin to count. One of the things that I've majored on in my five years here of being involved in leading the Assemblies of God is to restore again the importance of relationship. Everything really ought to be done out of relationship. It ought to be done out of that sense of understanding that actually, as we build this way, God will build that way. Has he not declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell? You see, I'll tell you how churches grow when they consider and concentrate on church health even more than church growth. Church growth comes as a result of health. When you have a little baby, all you've got to do is feed it and it'll grow. When you get to my age, you don't even have to feed me and I'll grow. It's just a a natural part of life. And I want to tell you that one of the wonderful things about this particular fellowship is the building of strong relationships because out of that, then the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours and the dozens, even the hundreds will be added to the church. Let him do his work. As you sow your seeds, as you do the work of the evangelist, as you prepare to go on a Saturday and and just offer a balloon and a what's-his-name. And then as people are added to the church, do you know what? He gets all of the glory. As you are there with friends, building relationships, one with the other. There's so much more that I could say on that, but let me give you a third one. And this is always be outward-looking more than inward looking. What is it that you can do better here than you can in heaven? Praise God. No, it's not. Because we're going to worship more in heaven than even down here. In fact, prophecy, worship of God, knowing the word of God, it's all going to be more when we're in heaven. The one thing we can do better now is to actually share our life story, our testimony. It's to witness to others. And when it is that we are outward looking more than inward looking, no scissors can come and cut away. It's only when we begin to become introverted, when we begin to uh, look inward. But if we're constantly trying to reach out to build relationships so that he might build his church, not because it's another number, but because it's a real person, a prostitute from the street, a tramp, a bum, from the Bowery, or whether it be a multimillionaire or bank manager. Hey, they need to know the Lord, and they come to know the Lord through who? By this will all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love for Jesus. No, if you have a love, one for another. Be outward-looking, always. I'm so glad that the balance of the eldership here is such that actually you've got gift men that carry different gifts. For whenever Christian gets up, he can't help but ooze evangelism and the reaching out to the lost. I mean, he tells you to do it in such a nice way. Just come along. But out of his heart is a love to see the lost one. Phil carries that same passion and that same burden that his would be to be able to open up the Scriptures in a whole different way and teach from the Word of God. What balance, what greatness that is. What a privilege. I hope you appreciate the privilege of what you've got here. 
And so there is, there's a whole load of things. I'm looking at the clock, but time has gone. Let me list to you the other things that I jotted down, and then who knows, perhaps one day we'll open them up. But sufficient to say, I think you've got the heart of what I'm wanting to say this morning. The fourth thing would be to esteem and honor others, even when others do not esteem and honor you. The devil can't get in if you just keep honoring other people. Even if they don't honor you, so what? It's all about him. The fifth thing would be don't preach servanthood unless you practice servanthood. The uh, sixth thing would be always look at things through the eyes of Jesus. When you do that, you see people's potential. You don't see where they are at. I like the opening words this morning. We are all a work in progress. How true that is. Let me add on to that. To the day... When we breathe our last breath, we will still have been a work in progress. It's only when we see him that then we become like him. But the journey of becoming more and more like him is one that goes on and on and on. So don't allow the devil to get in by saying, I wish I was like her. Or I wish I was like him. I wish I had that talent. Great thought. Great thought. Those of you that didn't get good results from your school, it's not the end of the world. I didn't get anything at all, nothing at all. I became the chairman of the magistrates. Uh, I'm a part of the World Pentecostal Council. I travel the globe. I've had the most exciting and wonderful life, and actually it just continues and continues. I'm a pretty big success family-wise because I've got a lovely wife of over 41 years and three pretty nice kids with six grandkids. I came out of school with nothing. But I want to say this, it weren't the end of the world and it's never the end. Now, do I knock those that have got the academia? No. In fact, I kind of kind of think I half wish I had a little bit more, although I can do some crosswords and finish them. <laughs> It ain't the end of the world. Everyone here has written over them the name of the little girl that you introduced me to, Destiny. Over every single one of you, there is potential. And what you've got to do in order to not allow the enemy to get in is just recognize the potential in one another, not be jealous of them. Thank God for those that have come into eldership today. Who knows? Everything is for a season. Down the road, who knows what's going to happen? But The wonderful thing is this. That the devil can't get in when we look at things through the eyes of Jesus. Three more things there that I'll list to you. An open hand is actually tighter than a clenched fist. Be prepared to let people go. And as you let people go, when I say that, I think it's wonderful that we pray for people that were going to university and the challenge that came to make the difference and stand out. I found that many parents, when they hold on to their kids, they lose them. And when you're prepared to let them go with love, praying over them, they actually keep coming back. And I'll be glad when they come back. All right, we'll move on. (laughs) I I have to say, I feel a little bit strange on that one because I'm ever so glad when they come back and I'm very glad when they go again. (laughs) Another one would be to always keep a positive attitude even when surrounded by negative circumstances. You see, today, it is a new season, and everything is pretty positive and good, but it ain't always going to be like that. There's going to be some things to battle through, but you've still got to carry the faith element of being positive in a God that's doing his work. And all things 
Make sure that you operate in a spirit of love, for there is no greater force. And so we could have developed the whole thing and gone on a lot longer. But I don't need to. You've seen the doll. It's spread out. It's useless. And I've seen that with so many churches. And I pray a better thing for you. I pray that the legacy will be that it will go on from strength to strength. And the devil will not allow anything at all to come in. Why? Because you are just wise enough to realize what the Bible says, that this local church is a body where every member is important. Everyone carries a function that can add to the whole. And by constantly coming back to the Christ of the cross, I prophesy there will never be split, there will never be division in this body because of the work of grace and God in the lives of those that are hearing right now. In Jesus' name, amen.